Thank you, Will. Thank you, everyone. It's really nice to see you. Happy New Year. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Tim. Uh, I'm the vicar here. Did, did you get given a, a green Bible as you came in? Um, or you maybe, if you can find, um, get onto a Bible app on your phone. I'd love to, I think in the new year, we're, we're sort of COVID is at a stage where I think we can give out hard copies of the Bible. Spares here if you'd like to look. So in these green Bibles, just for ease of reference, we're on page 1067. 1067. And we're in Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Just while you're, just while you're finding that, uh, just on the weekend away, um, I know we sort of push it, and it can sound like we're desperate. We're not desperate at all. It's over 100 people. I, can't, I think it was 109 when I last checked. I, think it's, I bet there's more now. There are hundreds coming to the weekend away. So if I'm desperate, it's the, it's a, if you're not coming, you'll miss out. That's what I'm sort of fearful of, if I can confess it. Um, someone, I gathered someone, we were talking to someone, and they said, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't know who I'll know there. Do. That's, that's the point of going, well, one of the points of going. So you, you can meet people. <laughs> so if, you, if you're brand new here, if one of those standing up, we would love you to come because it's just a brilliant way to meet others in the church. There's no one on the week, including me and Joe, there's no one who knows everyone. Uh, so we're looking forward to meeting and making new friends, and, and I hope you are too. Is it possible just to turn the lights up a little bit so that, so that people can follow the text? We take Scripture seriously here, um, and I'd love you to be able to, to, to read um, or follow with me as I read. I'm, I'm going to read from chapter 3 and verse 9, but just to sort of tee it up, it's a sort of start of Paul's, a section of Paul's sort of um, argument, his, his kind of, you know, the sort of, uh, his, his um, what he wants to say. And it starts really with um, chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, I'll just read these first two verses, then flick over to chapter 3. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of human beings who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Uh, and as he brings this section of argument to an end here chapter 3 and verse 9 what shall we conclude then do we have any advantage we being um, fellow Jews Paul uh, grew up and was schooled as a, as a Jew one of the people of God do we have any advantage not at all we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin as it is written there's no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've become together worthless. There is no one who does good, not, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Happy New Year. <laughs> will gets to talk about the goodness of God last week. And I get to talk about uh, our need of God, our sinfulness. It's not fair to blame. I did, the, I did the order of the sermon 
prep. So that's my fault. Uh, this is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Unlike most or many other letters that he writes where he's kind of countering an issue and so he's coming up against something, he's not coming up against anything here. He's just taking the opportunity. This is like his sort of dissertation, his extended essay. He's just taking the opportunity to set out his fresh revealed understanding of the good news of the love of God mediated through Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. So tonight I want to talk about why we need God's goodness. Uh, his love because of our sinful state, every single one of us. I want to look at uh, four things, the, uh, the universality of sin, it, it, it's, it's universal, the, the legal or judicial element of sin, I want to talk about the heart issue of sin, and I want to talk about the personal or relational issue of sin. Please don't worry, I've had some feedback on my talks, I'm going to go quickly through those points. First of all, the universal element of sin. Look at just the end of the passage we read there. Um, Therefore, verse 20 of chapter 3, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And just drop down to a passage I'm going to look at next week, uh, but um, just a few verses down. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Uh, I've talked last term, it's the talk if you want to find it on, uh, around the heretic series on, on Pelagius, um, of, and I, I delve there into original sin. I'm really kind of refreshing some of the things I touched on there, that every single one of us, no, no parent has to teach a child how to be naughty every parent's task is forever to try and keep children on track because there's something in them that is constantly teaching them to be good or truthful or noble or right or just, kind. Because there's something in every single one of us, the disease of sin that manifests itself eventually. We don't have to teach it. It, it just is. Sin, someone said, is the difference between what I am and what I know I could be. All have sinned. Point one. Point two, the legal or judicial element of sin. There are grave consequences to our sin. Just, just flick over the page uh, to chapter 6 and verse 23. So everyone has sinned. What's the consequence of that sin? Well, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news next week. But we have to reckon with the first part of that verse. For the wages of sin, the consequence of sin, is death. There is a reckoning to our sin. Now this, this was kind of not sitting easy on the Jewish hearers of Paul's letter. And uh, they say, well, you know, Paul, 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 come on, you remember your upbringing, the Torah, you're circumcised like we are. We've got the sign, the badge, we belong. Uh, we keep the feasts and the rituals, everything, you know, we're in, we're okay. Just back, chapter 2 and verse, uh, where are we? 17 of chapter 2. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, 
do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Remember how Jesus reframed that teaching, for example. You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? You who boast in the Lord, do you not dishonor God by breaking the law? Paul said, come on. You're claiming, oh, I'm okay. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's references to, to the, the, the Old Testament scriptures that the Jews would have known, probably by heart, uh, here in verses 10 to, to 18 in chapter 3, the bit that we had read. In just those early bits, there are nine, again, complete or universal references. There are, there are four no ones. No one is free. There is no one who seeks God. There is no one who does good, verse 12. Uh, four no ones. There are two alls. There are two not ones, and there's one altogether. It's pretty comprehensive. Even to those of you who think, well, I'm okay. When God looks around and sort of, well, who's in, who's out, who's doing well, who isn't doing so well, I'm I'm sure I'll scrape through. Third element is the heart. It, It follows on from that. This is where Paul wants to relate to these Jews, to people, maybe people like us today who think oh, surely I'm okay compared to some other people I know to some other contexts to some other lifestyles surely I'm okay see sin is essentially a relating word we, we tend to think of sin as the things that we do as a sort of action word it's, it's you know the things we we think or say or do that are wrong or harmful or or, uh, dishonor God, bring harm to others. And as long as we can stop doing them, then then we're not really sinful. But sin, first and foremost, is a relating word, and and the relationship is between us and God. So when when the Jews appeal to their good deeds, you know, I I tithe and I, I fast and I... Uh, observe the feasts, and I do all the things that Torah tells me to do. I do all the right things, so I'm okay. And Paul is saying, no, do you not see? You're, you're using all the things you do to try and validate your, relate, your heart relating to God. But how is your heart? It's actually your heart that's in question here, not the things you do, but the motive behind them. See, when you say, I, I, I follow the law, Paul is concerned, it's not so much your, your sin as your good deeds that's separating you from God. Because you're using your deeds to justify yourself. Effectively, you're saying, Paul is saying to these Jews, but maybe through the Spirit, God is saying to us, yeah, I, I've, I've done this, good thing. Or I've not done that evil thing, so I'm okay in an attempt to justify ourselves. But if all have sinned, we are not in the place to be able to bring about justification. We need someone else to rescue us from the plight of every person who sinned, including us. The thing with our self-justification, our heart attitude, you know, on the outside, I've not done this, or I have done that, so I'm okay, is it will lead either to pride, the heart issue of pride, I am okay, I'm acceptable, come on God, 
like the story that Jesus tells of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, I'm not like that tax collector. I pray twice a day, I fast, I give. Jesus says at the end of the story, I tell you, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, was justified because the Pharisee was trying to justify himself. Inexorable pride. Or like the, actually, in a sense, the story, the, the tax collector, who's, who, because he compares himself, does he? Oh, I, I'm, it'll either be pride in the Pharisee or despair. The tax collector, oh, I'm no good. I, I'm failing. I'm not meeting up. I, I'm unacceptable. God can't look favorably on me. Either way, human attempts to self-justify will lead to one or other heart sin, pride or despair. And we'll distance ourselves from God. The issue with that is is it's all based on performance. It's it's basically how I'm doing in relation to others. It's, It's as if sin is first and foremost measured on a horizontal axis. When First and foremost, sin is to be determined, to be determined on a vertical axis. It's, it's how am I in relation to God? And the Bible's so clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. At the end of our, um, uh, the bit that we read, chapter 3 and verse 20. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The law itself isn't bad. It just helps us to see how we fall short of God's glory. Now, maybe there's, there's sort of ignorance involved in that. Maybe we, we, don't, we didn't know, we weren't aware. But as we encounter God through his word and by his spirit, we become, the Bible says, we become conscious of the fact that we fall short of his glory. Quick example. There's a, just not far from here, there's a little, um, I used to belong to a gym uh, that was, was linked in with Charing Cross Hospital. And if you sign up, get around London by bike, and if you cycle up there, there's a little road, uh, it's just a, it's a little road that, that takes you straight to the entrance. And because I was kind of on a bike, I mean, this, is, this doesn't sound great, does it? Because if you're on a bike, you should pay attention to the highway code as well. But I hadn't noticed the little no-entry sign. <laughs> I genuinely hadn't noticed the little no-entry sign. Just whizzed through, you know, because it, it, it's only about sort of 40 yards to the entrance. You just whizzed through on your bike, boom. And then, so I just, and I was going the wrong way around, around this little cut-through. Actually, if I was going to go the right, I'd have to go left all the way down there. Then I'd have to wait at the junction, turn onto the sort of Fulham Palace Road, quite busy. Oh, wait for the lights to change so the traffic starts, and then go across. Oh, there. And then I have to angle right and on the bike, wobbly traffic, everyone buses, everything, so I can turn right to get to. So I'm doing three sides of a square, which I could just whip through. I genuinely, in all innocence, I didn't realise. Then one day I thought, oh my goodness, that's a no-entry sign. I hadn't noticed all the cars were parked facing, you know, towards me. Oh, you know, just, whoa, just, you know, in a world of mind, thinking about something else. But you see, the law, in terms of that sign, now has made it, it's revealed itself to me. So, so now I know. Here's the, oh, you're ahead of me. You're ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. You see, what am I going to do now? Because before I could plead ignorance, so I didn't know. Well, the police officer came out, genuinely. I said, oh, officer, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. But now I do. <laughs> so if I want to get to that little entrance again, if I want to get there, just convenient, neat, tidy, just time-consuming, nah. now I wrestle. I become aware of that battle of sin, the temptation. to just, well, It's only 40 yards, I'm only on a bike. 
No entry, no entry. That's, that's how it works with our heart. On the outside, it's respectable. Mm. <coughs> Clark in holy orders, look at me. <laughs> and there I am breaking the law. Heart issue. Fourth point, final thing. Um, and this is, I would want to argue the most important point about our sinfulness. And I, I hope, it, I hope that's because it's pretty heavy, this. But we've just got to be real and be honest. But I hope, literally hope, there is hope, there's light that begins to dawn. And certainly next week and onwards, I want to lean into this. But, but there is the relational element of sin. Just if you, it's because it's easy to find, flick in the Bibles or again scroll back to Genesis chapter 3. And we read, and it will be so familiar, we're just reminding ourselves, I won't read it all, uh, but the story of how sin entered the world, entered this disease that uh, sickens every single one of us in the garden. Chapter 3, you know the thing, um, human beings free to eat anywhere. They can take the fruit from any tree apart from this one. And the serpent comes and tempts Eve. She eats, gives some to Adam. He eats. And uh, verse 7 of chapter 3. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Uh, just, just to put that into context. Verse 25 of chapter 2 of Genesis. The man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. That's one, I think it's one... One of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. The man and wife were both naked. I don't think it means just physically naked. I think it just means soul naked. Everything, my thoughts, my heart, my soul, my everything, my dreams, my everything is just, is just open for you. And they felt no shame. I think it's a beautiful image of humanity in paradise. The, the perfection of the world that God has made. It is very good. And when they disobey God, when they disobey God, the first thing is they, they, get, they look at their nakedness and they say, oh wow, isn't this, isn't this openness and this nakedness, isn't this beautiful? Aren't we wonderful creations of the Lord God? The first thing they do is cover themselves up and hide in shame. The wages of sin is death, and we see it start right there, and it's just sown through the whole history of humanity. Look at this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to them, or called out to the man, where are you? It's the very first question that God asks humanity in the whole of the story of God and his people. The very first question where are you? And we know the answer. They're hiding from him. Oh, and we kind of read that, you know, Lord of God, and we think, oh, bumbling old, you know, sort of old man, sort of, you know, long beard, so he's lost his people already, he can't find Adam and Eve. No, you, you, you misread the text. That, that's not a sort of, oh, wonder where I put Adam and Eve. I have left them here somewhere. No, no, this is a desolate, gut-wrenching heart cry. Uh, we've got three children growing up now, but um, our son, Luke, when he was about um, three or four, maybe, uh, we, went to, we went shopping, we were in Bristol, and uh, we were sort of shopping in the, in the New Year's sales, big shopping mall, lots of people, all of them way bigger than he was at the time, he's now actually 
taller than most of them. Uh, but I, I, mean, I remember saying love, because he had a kind of, he, he, he would just, you know, he'd do his own thing, really. And the girls tended to be a lot more sort of, you know, clinging to mum and dad. Baby, yay! And uh, so I said, love, there's lots of people here, okay? It's a big place, so just stay, you know, stay close. And I sort of grab his hand, we wouldn't, you know, don't, don't want to hold my hand. So, okay, we'll just stay close. There we go. You know, off we go, eyes, ooh, sales, beans, work, we could do, yeah, bargains there. Look around, he's not, I can't see him. And you kind of, you just, time stands still. Forgive me if you're, if you're not a parent, but just you imagine this, if you've been in charge of someone, you're babysitting, just, and he's gone. And I, actually, as I'm telling this story, I can, just, I can feel my stomach tighten. Uh, all those sort of horror stories in the news of, you know, children have been abducted or, you know, you never see them again. Or, you, you know, I, I kind of catastrophize, I, I exaggerate all the fears. And the only question that is kind of, kind of bubbling up is, where, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Three and a half hours later. No, it, it was actually about five seconds. But it felt like, <laughs> it felt like. There he is. He hadn't got, he's just, he's just the other side of just a group of people. hadn't. Oh, tiny, tiny little example of what this is to God. Where are you? Sin, our sin, our, our, our decision to, to not consider that God is good last week, to not trust that God wants our best in all situations, in the tough times, in the testing times, in the times when he seems distant. God is good. He wants our best. Where are you? Heart cry. And the answer is we're hiding from him. That's what sin is in, in this context. It's, it's got a forensic legal thing. We, we fall short of the glory of God. We're in the dock. God is a judge. We've sinned. Yeah, it's like the speeding thing. All have sinned. It doesn't matter if you were 32 miles an hour in a 30 limit or 132 miles an hour in a 30 limit. End of. All have sinned. But, but what does this do? Like, like if you you know, you get a speeding thing, the police don't go, oh dear, Mr. Stilwell, how are you? Happy New Year, but they just say, are you the registered owner of this vehicle? It's, it's you know, it's just, it's, it, it, there's no relational element to that aspect of breaking the law. But here, alongside the forensic, the, the, the judicial, if you like, the legal element of breaking God's law is breaking God's heart. Just quickly, hide and seek. You know the game hide and seek? If you, uh, uh, you probably maybe played it as a kids. I'll move on if we haven't played hide and seek. Is it hide and seek? Yeah, enough people, great. Okay, listen, um, uh, so, so as and when, God willing, you guys have, you have your own kids, or maybe your, your godparents, or maybe nephews, nieces, hide and seek, fantastic. What a brilliant game. It's not about hiding. There's a much, the kids think it's about hiding. There's a much bigger thing about it. It's actually not about hiding. The kids hide in order to experience the joy of being found. It, that, that's why as adults we ham it up. We don't go 19, 20, ready or not, here I come, okay, you better have hidden. No, no, we go 19, 20, ready or not. It's big pantomime, you know, we come to ham it up, ready or not, here I come. Like, woo! It's, it's, you do that because they squeal, they can't help but squeal with excitement, woo! And that gives away where they are. 
Ah, oh, yeah, but they're behind you. Actually, you can see because the curtain's kind of burgeoning. And, look, and I can see their feet underneath. But you don't, you don't sort of go straight away. No, you, you build up the suspense. They think they're hiding. So you go, oh, I wonder if they're in the kitchen. And you sort of go, you know, maybe under the table. Squeals from behind the curtain. Eventually, eventually, you know, you go, oh, maybe they're behind the curtain. You pull back the curtain. Oh, there you are. And they come and run and sort of wrap themselves around. And then they shout again, again, again. They love it. The whole suspense of hiding. It's not so they can learn how to be good at hiding. You want to be worried as a parent if your kids actually want to hide from you. But they play the game of hide and seek so that they can experience the joy of being found. What did Jesus say in his encounter to the crowd, actually, having encountered Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is a double-crossing thief. He's an evil guy. They hate him rightly. And Jesus goes and eats with him, a sign of friendship, of trust, of communion. They mutter, he's going to eat with sinners. And Jesus turns, Luke 19 and verse 10, he says, the Son of Man, named for himself, has come. That's why I've come, to seek and to save the lost. It's as if Jesus is saying, in the great cosmic game of hide and seek, God has finished counting. And in the person of Jesus, he's come to find us. Where are you? We're hiding. That's the result of our sin. Every single one of us, we hide from God. We, we cover up. We, we bluff. We, 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 we do it. In the, look, every now and then, you know, you're in a new job and you don't know anything and everyone else knows more than you. And I understand the kind of, you know, you need to make out you know a bit more than you actually do at the time. But when that becomes habit, when it becomes practice, when we cover up, not from employers and bosses, but from one another, when we get deceived, little white lies, little cover-ups, little things. It's evidence of sin. It's that distance. It's that separation. Oh, where are you? We want to say, where are you? Come so that you can be naked. We can be naked together, as it were. Don't misunderstand that. In the biblical sense, as I've unpacked it there, we can just be honest, open, sin-free. God longs that for us with him and us with one another. Oh, what shape is that? Yes, Jesus, who's come to span the gulf of our sin in order that we can know the joy of being found. Very quickly, to respond. How do we do how do you respond to a talk on sin? Well, if you're I don't know many of you here, so I can't wait for the weekend away. Please come so I can get to know you. And it may be that you don't know where you stand in terms of your relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. You kind of know about him, but you're not sure whether you know him personally. It's possible. That's why God came in the form of Jesus, in order to show us what he's like so that we might get to know him. But, but here's the thing. If all have sinned, and the wages of sin is, is death, is, is ultimate separation. In other words, if we're, if we're on the path or the process of separation, then how is it that I'm intrigued by God, asking questions about him, thinking about going on this alpha course? If all have sinned, how is that happening? 
And theologians talk about prevenient grace, which pre is just before and venio, I come. So it's, it's the kind of coming before grace. It's what God initiates. He, he, he's actually seeking out you before you realized you were seeking out him. He's laying the ground, if you like. He's, he's putting out the ground bait, hoping that you'll nibble so that you can discover him as he reveals more and more of himself to you. Keep searching. That's why we, that's why we put on Alpha. And I'd love you to come. Starts early Feb online, and then we're going to do it in person uh, later on. And I'd love you to come ask. We say the A on Alpha stands for ask anything. There's no such thing as a, a hostile, an ignorant, a rude question. You can ask anything. We don't assume that anyone knows anything. And I always learn stuff on Alpha. That's why I, that's why I do it year after the year, term after term. I love it. I always discover new things in, in, the, in, the, in the discussion and the conversation. So if that's you, conscious of your sin, you've seen the sign, oh, I, I fall short of the glory of God. But God has reached out into our history, reaching out into your life to find you, to bring you home. Just if second response, if you know you are a believer, you know that you know God, then how do you use a talk on sin to, to kind of respond? What do I do with this in the coming days and weeks? Can I suggest that you reflect on how easy it is for you to confess your sin to one another, to someone else? How easy is it, how free do you feel to talk about those times when, as a saint or a son, you nevertheless, that, that old part of your life, what the Bible calls the flesh, kind of just rears its ugly head, and you demonstrate in some way, shape, or form that you've fallen short of God's glory. What do you do then? Cover up? Hope no one saw? Or confess? Or, or freely confess? No, not to everyone, you know, broad, but to one or two trusted brothers or sisters in the faith. How easily can you do that? Because the, 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 the amount of ease with which you find it to talk about your sin will indicate how much you've grasped the fact that the God of love has forgiven you your sin. If, you, if you're not sure you have been forgiven your sin, it is finished. The price is paid. If you, if you haven't grasped that in your heart and in your spirit, that then you won't be sure if it's safe to talk about your former life, drowning in the sea, remember last term's image, because you're not sufficiently confident that you're clipped into the rescuer. To, to use, and with this I've finished, to use biblical imagery, a slave and a son, a slave lives in fear because they, they're ruled by the law. They feel condemned because they've broken the law. I've broken God's law, now I'm going to get it. But a son, filled with the Spirit, is not condemned but convicted. And they see it in terms of God's heart. Oh, oh no, I've not broken God's law, I've broken God's heart. I'm not, oh, oh no, now I'm going to get it, living in fear. They kind of live in it just, how could I have done that? How could I have let down the one who has loved me so well, who is so good, as we heard last week? So as sons and daughters, heirs of God, how well are we able to live with the reality of sin as something that God has already dealt with in our lives so that we continue, can continue to grow as his 
children, full of love and joy and peace with him and with one another. All have sinned, Paul says, and fall short of the glory of God, but God's free gift is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. More of that next week, but for now, why don't we stand? Just love uh, Matt and the band, Kat. Back we come. And just a moment as we're going to sing by way of response. But just a moment for us to take serious and deep stock of where we would be without Christ. So that you can freshly grasp where you, we are in Christ. Yeah, let's, let's worship God together.